Welcome back to The Author Biz. I'm Stephen Campbell, and this is the show where we deliver the information you need to become the CEO of your author business. I posed a question a couple of weeks ago in the Author Biz Facebook group about book blurbs or maybe book descriptions, whatever you might want to call them. The question was, on a scale of 1 to 10, how important is your ebook store blurb to the sales of your books? The answers probably shouldn't have surprised me, but they did. Most of the answers were either 9 or 10, but thriller author D.V. Burkham said she'd just surveyed her readers and she put it at a 12, obviously meaning that blurbs are hugely important to the success of her selling books. So I decided a show on creating these book blurbs would be a good idea, and I knew just the man to educate us. Author, teacher, and fellow podcaster Brian Cohen who wrote a book last summer on the topic called How to Write a Sizzling Synopsis, a step-by-step system for enticing new readers, selling more fiction, and making your books sound good. Brian, as many of you will already know, is the co-host and driving force behind the Sell More Books podcast. He's also a great resource for authors of all types and provides training through his website at sellingforauthors.com. In this show, we discuss why book descriptions are so important to the sales of your books and then get into the four most important elements of any good book description. As always, we'll have show notes listing everything we mention during the interview at theauthorbiz.com. And uh, without further ado, we may as well get started. My first question to Brian is, why do we as authors have such apprehension when it comes to writing book descriptions? I think that we have this kind of preconceived notion when we go into these things that they're going to be easy and it's that (laughs) to-do item I can check off in 20 minutes and you're so excited about those. Yes. Uh, Yeah. But but then you're 20 minutes in, you've got three sentences written, you uh, are looking at the rest of your to-do list, you're pulling your hair out and then you uh, just... Write down everything as quickly as you can, and then you wonder why it doesn't quite work that well. <laughs> and do you ever do you ever look at it again? Then when you do it that way, because I I wrote the the last one that I wrote is terrible, and uh-huh. I wrote it and I just refused to look at it again because I just I knew it was terrible and I didn't want to look at it again. And I know that's absolutely the wrong thing to do, but that's what I did. I bet that you and seventy five percent of other authors are in the exact same boat. So. Uh, you're among good company. Okay. Well, I the reason for the show and the reason that I reached out to you is I posed a question in the Author Biz Facebook group, uh, the importance of the book blurb, and the response surprised me. I you know I I knew that everybody was going to say it was important, but the the general consensus was that it was as important as the cover. Every on a scale of one to ten, everyone put it at a ten or maybe a ten A. You know, maybe the mm-hmm. cover was ten and and the blurb was ten A. But man, we spend a lot of time fussing with covers and worrying about fonts and and worrying about the color and everything's gotta be just perfect. But we don't seem to do that with the with the blurb. Yeah. Even though people know that it's just as important there's a there's a survey that Mark Dawson did a year and a half, two years ago. And for those of you who don't know, Mark Dawson, thriller, author, extraordinaire with uh, 65,000 people on his mailing list. Isn't it 65,000 now? Yeah, Good yeah. He's, he's incredible. <laughs> uh, 
And he reached out to his list and said, how did you find me? What, what, how did, how did you find me come to my list, et cetera. And five times as many people said they came to him from his book blurbs as opposed to his covers five times. Wow. And I'm guessing, I mean, I've worked with the same designer that Mark works with. That's, you know, a few hundred bucks, uh, every time. And if it's five times as much, uh, 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 five times as many people coming, then you could say, well, then a book blurb's worth about a thousand dollars. You could kind of, uh, use that math and kind of come, come into that understanding. But, but we don't spend that amount of time, that amount of money on fixing these up, but maybe <laughs> we should <laughs> at least, uh, uh, not, uh, force ourselves into that 20 minute window. Yeah. Or, or maybe just set aside some time, not 10 minutes after you finish the manuscript and like, okay, I am ready to get this thing out there. Uh, what, what do we even call these things? There are so many different names for it. I'm, I'm even thinking of titles for the show. You know, do I call it how to write an effective book blurb or synopsis or book description? What's, what is the correct terminology for, for, for this? Right now, book description or product description is probably the most accurate, but those aren't really the terms that are used all the time. Mm-hmm. Blurb is, if you want to be technically correct, is when somebody writes a uh, a little testimonial for right. you that you mm-hmm. can put on your cover. Uh, but people use blurb and and description. Uh, you know, they they use it interchangeably. And synopsis, while I do have a book called How to Write a Sizzling Synopsis, it's uh, also thought of as a misnomer. And I've gotten several one-star reviews who've said, (laughs) this doesn't tell me how to write the one-page synopsis for my treatment that I send to traditional publishers. Mm -hmm. And that is true. And if they'd read my book description, they would know that. (laughs) But uh, I think book description is the most accurate, but there are definitely multiple terms being thrown around. All right. So if we want to treat this, and I, I guess in, in, in your book, the one that you just mentioned, you actually use terms like copywriting and you talk about some of those skills that, that you need to write a good book description. So from a copywriting standpoint, if I'm writing a headline for this show, do I use the word book description or do I use something else? I would say you use blurb uh, just because that's what people would be searching for. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've even seen in in the reviews that I mentioned, someone called them book blurps with a P. Well, uh, yes. <laughs> so, so I wouldn't use that. I wouldn't use that, though. What? I think and, – and, you know, as well as I do, SEO is very important for these kinds of podcast uh, titles and mm-hmm. for your – if you're especially if you're writing nonfiction for your subtitles and everything. So it is an important consideration. It's kind of funny that you bring it up in that way because we really do need to think, well, w- not just the idea I had in my head from the beginning of writing this book because how to write a sizzling synopsis used to be uh, how to make your book sound good or something like that, or make your book sound good without the how-to. Uh-huh. And I surveyed my readers, and they said, nope, that's not right. <laughs> that isn't what you should use. So I think it's always a matter of thinking, 
well, what is my audience going to look for? What is my audience going to find interesting? And that isn't just for headlines. That's for all the way through your book description. It's never about you. It's Mm -hmm. about your readers. And how different is it from a writing perspective? You know, you write a novel or a nonfiction book, whatever it may be, and and it's 80,000 words and you've written all this. You, You know, we're skilled writers. We know how to take words and make them do things for us. But writing sales copy, and that's in effect what this is, writing sales copy is a different skill. Yeah, it really is. I, I think one of the things I, I that has helped me to understand it better and has helped others to understand it is that copywriting is writing all the words that go outside of your book. They're the ones that go on your back cover. They're mm-hmm. the ones that go on your book description online, on your Facebook ads, your Amazon ads, your BookBub ads, whatever ads you're using. These are the words that go on there. And So copywriting is important, obviously. Now, it is a different skill. You couldn't necessarily write 10 novels, have get stronger with each successive one, and then write very good copy after the 10th novel because it's exercising a different part of your brain. It contains a different kind of editing process. It uh, it's actually more like poetry in a way than it is like writing prose because Every word has impact. The order of those words has impact. Where they appear in the sentences have impact. And so you need to kind of train your brain to work on these, uh, this copy, this, this type of copywriting. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a lot of work on it. It's just probably one of those things where a little bit every week over time you get better at it. And that's one of the reasons why we see authors like uh, Bella Andre and folks who have 50 books, something like that, out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, their descriptions are really good. And part of that is because now they've written 50 descriptions. <laughs> and do we all start out when we, when we write these descriptions? Do we all basically do the same thing, which is sort of summarize the plot and maybe – introduce the characters a little bit and let everyone just kind of know how cool the story is? Is that, is that the way we all start? That's the way most people start. And, and I think that it's, it's pretty obvious that people are quite confused about writing book descriptions. If, if you look at about 10 of them, approximately eight out of those 10 trail off at the end. They just kind of almost like a little ellipsis, and then they fade away into oblivion. Uh, That's about 80% of book descriptions because the author doesn't really know, well, how do I order things? What is the most important thing? How do I close things out? They don't really understand that, so they just just say, I don't have anything more to say about this book, and then they stop, (laughs) and then they click save, and then that's it. You know, I think about myself as a reader now, and I'm a, a Kindle Unlimited reader as well. And so when you take the friction of actually making a purchase decision out of the buying process, it I, I, I guess I don't even realize how important the book description is. I'll just read it, and it either instantly appeals to me 
and I click the, the download for free button or I don't. And I don't think, wow, that's a really bad blurb or I wonder if the book's better than the blurb. I just mm-hmm. – it's either a yes or a no. And the really good ones – I guess it's like a really good television commercial or something. You see it and you say, man, I, I want that product, whatever it is. You don't think about the way the television commercial was put together. You just have the desire for the product. And if you're doing that, and and I assume that many Kindle Unlimited readers are the same, you're not even scrolling down, which means you're not getting, uh, you're not reading the reviews, you're not looking at the quality of the reviews, you're just looking at the number of reviews, Mm -hmm. you're looking at the cover, and you're looking at the description. I'm not going to say each one has 33% weight, but... If if we were going to say that for Kindle Unlimited readers, that 33% of your chance of getting that download are uh, the result of having your book description in good shape, well, maybe that would be the way to finally convince people that they need to <laughs> they need to get they need to get their act together with that. All right, so let's let's say that we have convinced people that they need to get their act together, and I'll include myself in that. They and just say we need to get our act together. What are what are the elements um, that we need to include in a good book description to be sure that it's you know maybe it's not great maybe it doesn't flow seamlessly the way you describe in your book but at least has the elements there the building blocks sure and I think it all starts with a really strong hook this is another one of those things you can call lots of different things a headline a logline a tagline whatever you want to call it. You need something that grabs people right away. And this can be something that ends up being so strong, people click the button after just reading that first line. It's uh, kind of one of these well-trodden copywriting statistics that about 80% of people stop reading any type of copy after the first line. Mm -hmm. So if you've got a strong first line, and this is usually in, in what I do, it's separated from the rest of the copy so it's all alone just one uh concise genre specific emotion evoking line that's right at the top uh that makes sense (laughs) people don't always remember that part uh and and that really captivates their attention it feels like a lot of heavy lifting for one line to do but if you do write a line that is strong enough to really captivate attention, then it's going to get people's uh, attention. It's going to get them to buy the book. For KU, when there's not a lot of friction, it's going to get them to click the download button. And if they've already read your books, you want to make sure they buy your next book. So the the copy, that first line is always very important. Now, uh, there are a lot of screenwriting courses and probably writing courses that that do the same thing where where they emphasize the importance of and I'll use the term because you used it the log line and mm-hmm. uh, they'll actually encourage you to write the log line before you start writing the book so that you know exactly what it is and you've condensed the story that you have in your mind into this one sentence is that if you're doing this correctly could that be the log line or the the tagline for your for your description? Um, One of my favorite stories of copywriting done to extreme success is Adam Croft, the author of Her Last Tomorrow, who recently with his uh, 
subsequent book hit number one in both Amazon US and Amazon UK at the same time with a, a Thomas and Mercer Amazon imprint. But his self-published book, Her Last Tomorrow, he wrote the hook first. He wrote the uh, the the hook, which I wish I'd written. I wish I could say <laughs> that I wrote it for him and he did so well. But no, he did exceptionally well. And uh, his hook was, would you murder your wife to save your daughter? It is this perfect line wow. for a psychological thriller. Mm-hmm. It gets you so excited. He used this copy on his book description. Eventually, it ended up on his front cover uh, when when Amazon when Thomas and Mercer uh, republished it. It ended up on his his Facebook ads. It ended up on uh, everywhere. It, obviously, his book description, and he just made a huge splash with that book. And and I think he even had to borrow credit card uh, credit card payments uh, uh, room on credit cards from his other friends uh-huh. so that he could just keep spending money on these ads that were paying him two to one, three to one. And that's one line of copy. Obviously, the book is good. Like you always need a good book. You need a good cover, of course. But if you can combine that with a strong line of copy. I mean, I recently was lucky enough to write a book description for Mark Dawson, who I I mentioned earlier, Mm -hmm. and Mark was able to put that description, that headline, uh, into a $29,000 launch for his book. And obviously, he has 65,000 people on his email list, et cetera, Mm -hmm. et cetera. But a strong first line never hurts, especially when it's going to be put out to multiple platforms every which way one strong line can make that difference so if you start with the strong line that already puts you in great standing for your book to do well Hmm. that's great and i want to get into more of the elements of a great book description but you've talked a lot about book sales and i want to mention your podcast that you do with uh with jim uh the weekly podcast the sell more book show maybe the greatest podcast title ever way better than the author biz um tell people a little bit about that who may not know about the show and for what it's worth i'm pretty sure jim came up with the title so jim (laughs) jim deserves the the credit for that and thank you very much so the sell more book show which uh by the time this airs it'll probably just about be at its three-year mark it is a weekly news show uh, about the publishing industry with a self-publishing slant to it. And we take three tips from the last week in the world of publishing and five news stories, and we go into the latest and greatest things that are happening so that you as a listener and as an author can stay on top of things and know what's working and what's not. And and so that we can kind of keep up with stuff and know mm-hmm. that we're promoting the most recent things, the best things for people to check out. And uh, you've actually been a, a guest co-host on that show. I was, and that was a, that was a lot of fun when you were off um, on daddy duty. Exactly. So yeah, you know, that that we love the show. We have such a dedicated following. You know this as a podcast host. There's really nothing like. Uh, uh, continuing to put out content and people just being really excited to hear it every week. We 
There's nothing like having dedicated listeners. And it's, it's a lot of work to do a show like that. When I first started the Author Biz, I had a news component at the beginning, and it was just too much work. And I just said, mm-hmm. I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to focus on the interview, and that's it. And I'm going to leave the news stuff to the people that do the news, which was you guys at that time, because you were <laughs> – I'd, I'd heard – I think I, I must have heard Jim on Joanna Penn's show – and it's like, oh, mm-hmm. I got to check out this show. And then, of course, I became a loyal listener as well. And, you know, why reinvent the wheel when you guys are are providing that news coverage every week? And that's why I think it's always helpful. I think these, I think your show and and the other interview shows in the space are awesome. I, I listen to them as often as I can. Um, but there is always room, I think, for someone to try something different, mm-hmm. and nobody was doing this news uh, format. So if you're if you're ever creating new content, trying something different, uh, it's worth a shot to 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 go outside the box, uh, play around with these ideas because you never know what's going to work. Yes, and you guys have done a, a great job of incorporating like. You uh, listener newscaster type things where they send you news, so you, you don't mm-hmm. have to be out there trolling RSS feeds all the time. People are sending you things now, which which has to make it a little bit easier. And we have an intern now, so ah, that's, awesome. That, awesome! That makes things even better. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's get back to the topic of this show, which is writing great book descriptions. So, one of the elements that we need is that tagline or the headline or whatever we might want to call it. And and you mentioned a genre specific tagline. Our uh, book descriptions in general do the. Do the elements that we need change based on different genres? Like would a would a mystery book description include the same elements as a romance? I think it would include the same elements, but you need to make sure that the part that each element is geared toward the genre you're targeting. If you have a headline that is about explosions and bombs and and a race against time, but it's supposed to be a romance and it's geared towards <laughs> romance authors, you're not going to get as many sales. So you need to make sure. And it, it's funny, you know, that example always people get a laugh out of it. But I have seen plenty of those cross genre books mm-hmm. that are catering to probably the least popular aspects of those genres. <laughs> if it's, you know, paranormal, romance, sci fi. They are going very deep into the sci-fi, but not necessarily mm-hmm. mentioning, oh, there's a guy and a girl and they get together, which is the probably the number one thing paranormal romance uh, readers appreciate about the genre. They just appreciate that it's a werewolf and a vampire instead of uh, instead of two humans. Okay. So, all right. Let's say that we have the great tagline. We, we know what the conventions are for our for our genre what are the other elements that we need so the second uh the second element is so uh you can go in in so much depth on it that i wrote a whole book about it and that is the synopsis (laughs) Uh and and so the synopsis is where you from a very character focused perspective and this is obviously for fiction nonfiction would be different but Uh, From a very character-focused perspective, you go through some elements of the plot. But really, I can't emphasize enough that this has to be 
more about your character's journey or the the journey of two or three characters as opposed to it being uh, more about the plot. And, And so I think that you really need to think about what is my character going through and and what will my readers be interested in about this character? How can there be a connection? How can they understand the character better? And that is really what needs to be conveyed in the synopsis. And the synopsis eventually, over the course of two or three paragraphs, it does lead us to kind of a cliffhanger moment where mm-hmm. We say, oh, well, I have to buy the book to keep reading. But it's all about that character, us getting excited about the character that makes us care about the stakes of the plot enough to the point that we, we want to click that buy button. Okay. Uh, what else? What other elements? Or are there more? Is it just those top two that we need to focus on? I've got two more elements. Okay. So... Uh, The next element is something I like to call the selling paragraph. And the selling paragraph is essentially your opportunity to jump back out of talking about the plot, about the character, and and tell the readers, I've got a few good reasons why you will like this book. And I break it down into two sentences. The first sentence is where you say what the book is, because if someone was reading this description, they say – they, they've, you know, absentmindedly in our very digital distraction world, <laughs> mm-hmm. they say, wait, what was this again? And it says, uh, this, the, the Florida cataclysm is a dark paranormal romance novel. And you say, oh, I, I had forgotten what it was. I'm glad he reiterated <laughs> dark paranormal romance because I like books like that. And then the second sentence is, Three strong adjectives, which definitely can be generated by readers if you go through your own customer reviews. You say, all right, here are three really strong adjectives that relate to the genre, that relate to the, the book. You don't want to make stuff up. And, and, and then you kind of just from those two sentences, you give – the reader an opportunity to kind of break through those buying barriers where they say, Oh, I like books like that. And I like books that sound like that, that have those kind of adjectives about them. They have uh, uh, edge of your seat suspense, or they have sizzling chemistry or, or something of the like. And if, if they like books like that, then they'll like this book and it gets them really primed to make that purchase. Okay. And then the fourth element. The fourth element is where, now that they're primed to make that purchase, we actually tell them to go make that purchase. Ah, the the, copywriter's trick. (laughs) The copywriter's trick, exactly. The call to action. Often in a command form, you say, buy the Florida Cataclysm today to uh, start getting uh, hurricane insurance. I don't know. Uh, But... (laughs) You 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 say buy the book to start the journey today to uh, to see the action unfold to you you can kind of go different directions with it. I like to say buy or explore or discover or something, but I like it when it's a command form and I like using the word today because 
I want there to be urgency there mm-hmm. where they say, all right, well, this book sounds good. Click. And that's what you want to happen after they read the call to action. Okay. All right. So we have a call to action. Something happens. We, we have all of our elements in place now. And something that I've seen people do, I don't know whether you would advise it or not, is the idea of taking the blurb, putting it into what you think is pretty good shape, and then posting it maybe in a Facebook group and asking for feedback. And at that point, you're kind of getting into the groupthink um, mm-hmm. concept. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? I think it can be a good thing, but I think having a little knowledge of what makes a book description work is is kind of a prerequisite because you can be really swayed by the oceans of uh, yes. the, of the groupthink there and, and possibly in a negative way. I think that one of the best things you can do when you're trying to share your description to get uh, a good idea about it is, okay, well... <laughs> What do my readers think? Yes. And so if you have readers, they're going to be the best uh, opinion there. Because if you go to a general author group, and I run a general author group, uh, the Selling for Authors group, mm-hmm. so I know that uh, that you have authors of all different genres in there. And so they're not necessarily going to uh, guide you in the right way. But you can try to preface things by saying – that you want specific questions answered about the blurb because if you don't if you just leave it open people are just going to either tear it apart or they're going to try rewriting it for you and it won't necessarily be better uh so it it's i would say go to readers first and if you do go to the general population of authors you give some specific guidelines of what kind of advice you're looking for. How do you how do you go to readers? Would you go to your email list or would Yep. Okay. And and would you just say would this make you want to buy this book or would you give them a couple different anth- uh, examples and say which one would would you would would make you more inclined to buy the book? I like the couple of examples idea because if you are kind of trying to get this idea down and you're not 100% sure what you want it to be, you might as well try to write a couple of different book descriptions, a couple of different versions, because your first version may not be the best one, but we as authors tend to write one version of something and then edit that one version. uh, (laughs) To death. Possibly to our, yeah, to death. (laughs) uh, And possibly to our own uh, peril, because... uh, Book descriptions are not like prose. They 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 have to be different. They have to they have to really shine in a short period of time. Okay, I have some questions from the Author Biz Facebook group. I I posted inside there that I was going to be speaking to you today, and the first like the first five or six things in response to my request for questions were, oh, I love Brian. I listen to his podcast every week. He's awesome, but no question. Uh-huh. <laughs> but well, I, did, nice. I did wind up with several <laughs> questions, so I'm going to give, uh, give those to you, and we'll just kind of answer these quickly. The first is from Don Duncan Harrell. I've read really good taglines, that is, they hook me, but after reading the book, I realized they didn't really capture the theme or conflict of the book. Uh, this might be, say, like a book cover that attracts attention, but when you read the book, you realize there is no sword in the book, even though there's one on the cover. Uh, mm-hmm. What's You've talked about the value of a good tagline. 
Is it a bad practice to maybe mislead people with a t- with a tagline? I think that's that's a good that's a good question. Uh, and thank you uh, from Don for for asking it. I think this is one of the reasons why coming up with a hook before you write the book can be very helpful. Because then you make sure, okay, well, my book does have a sword in it. My book uh, does uh, convey the theme of this tagline. And and I think when an author gets to the point where they're trying to invent things for their tagline that maybe aren't in the book, they uh, they realize that maybe the book as is isn't exactly constructed in a sellable form, or they haven't thought deeply enough about who their target readers are. They haven't thought about who are the people who are actually going to buy this book. So I would not recommend writing a tagline that is misleading because that leads to one-star reviews. That leads to people not buying your future books. I, I think that accuracy is definitely important. And if you're worried that you can't write a tagline that's strong enough, this is my, my new suggestion. I didn't used to make this suggestion, but but now I'm making it all, uh, all the time. Write about 20 different taglines. Be like Don Draper when he was forced to go back to uh, his <laughs> ad, ad uh, agency and he had to start off at the beginning. They forced him to write uh, headlines, just uh, 50 headlines. Mm-hmm. Write 20 headlines. Be like Don Draper and... Just stream of consciousness them. Don't even think about them. Just churn out as many as you can. And I bet you that numbers 15 through 20 are going to be incredibly interesting. And you aren't even going to have realized that what kind of depths you could mine from your book idea. And so the deeper you go in there, the more you'll come up with. And then you'll have something you can work with that does jive with your book as opposed to something that you just pulled out of thin air. That is, that's fantastic advice. All right, next question from Janice Cumberledge. I hope I pronounced that right, Janice. I'd like to know Brian's opinion on how having keywords within your blurb are compared to keywords or to the keywords you set up when creating your book in KDP. Do you think extra keywords in the blurb helps if they are put in gently? So we're not talking about keyword stuffing, but just using them. Yeah, not keyword stuffing, just gentle sprinkling. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, good question, Janice. This came to my attention recently because I used to be a gentle keyword sprinkler, and I still think keywords in your subtitle and in your title are very helpful, uh, especially with nonfiction. And if you're in a specific genre, you want to have if, say, you're doing a superhero series, you might want superhero in the title or series title, which I wrote superhero books and didn't do this, which is why I'm rebranding them. <laughs> um, but keywords in your book description for your book on KDP are not indexed by Amazon. They are not indexed. Ah, okay. The way you can test this, put a weird character name in your description. Search for your weird character name in quotes. It will not come up because keywords are not indexed by Amazon. Um, I recently, I found that out on the Sell More Book Show, uh, doing research for the show. But I will tell you, keywords are indexed by Google. They are indexed on your 
paperback books. I know that's true for CreateSpace. I couldn't tell you about KDP Print. They may or may not be uh, because I haven't used KDP Print. I haven't tested it yet. So what does that mean? That means I think that it's most important to have a description with a real punch, with a real emotional component to it. And if you see an opportunity to throw a keyword or two in there, go for it. But it should be in the natural flow. I write book descriptions for sound. I say them out loud. I hear them in my head. I try to make sure they have right the right impact at the right time. And, and they're really carrying the reader along momentum-wise all the way to the end. If I throw in a random keyword after that and it messes with my rhythm, it, I think it's going to do more to take a reader out of it uh, than put them, uh, get them into the buying mood or, or make it worth it that I've, I've potentially sprinkled a keyword or two. So I think don't worry about the keywords uh, and remember that it's not about, it won't make you rank better on Amazon for your ebook because they are not indexed by Amazon. Okay. And the last question, some of the questions that we had have already been answered just through the course of the conversation, but I, I like this last question from Logan Keyes. It, what's the value of the, if you liked this book, you'll love my book type tagline. Is, is that something that's a good idea or a poor mm -hmm. idea? Or do you put it at the top like a tagline if you're going to use it? Or do you put it at the bottom in that section where you're talking – those two sentences where you're, mm -hmm. you're letting people know that, hey, you know, this is what the book is again, and now go buy it? In my selling paragraph, the second to last section before the call to action, I always include a sentence like that. If you like uh, the spine-tingling action, the – uh, Florida beaches blowing away the whatever. Um, if you, if you like this, then you'll love that. Uh, the, I think that that is a very valuable sentence. In fact, BookBub did a study on these sentences, uh, about two years ago. And they found that the, if you like this, then you'll love that, uh, configuration helped their book descriptions to convert better when they when they wrote their bookbub specific descriptions. So I have taken that info, I've used that on my descriptions. I recommend that people use that. And so I just use the data. Bookbub showed data, I use it. If I found new data that said it didn't work anymore, I would change it because it's very difficult to do split testing on Amazon descriptions <laughs> or any other kind of description. Mm -hmm. So you need to make sure that you follow the data you can, that you, that you know about, that you see verified, not just some guy posted on a Facebook group somewhere. Um, you you want to make sure that you can get data whenever possible, connect with your readers to get that data whenever possible, like Mark Dawson did, and and just see, I changed my description. This week I sold more books. Let's keep it that way and see if it continues to go in that positive direction. Would you use that as the tagline? Would you ever use that as the tagline? I think that there are certain things that you can elevate higher. I think that I wouldn't use it as a tagline if you had a very strong case 
for uh, if you just had the best sentence ever for your uh, if you like this, then then you love then you'll love that. Maybe put it right under the tagline as kind of in between the tagline and the synopsis. But there are certain things I would rather put there instead. I would rather put if the author is a New York Times or USA Today bestselling author, Mm -hmm. which is shown to sell more books. Or if you have a quote from someone who is a known New York Times or USA Today bestselling author. If you have a quote from them or a publication, you could put that in there. But I don't think you use that as a tagline because I think it ends up often being a little too long. And and you could probably think of something more concise, more original to, to make your tagline. Okay, well, Brian, this has been this has been great. I know you're a busy guy, and you you do a lot of different things, not just podcasting, not just book descriptions. You do a lot of different things. What are you most excited about right now that you're doing? Some of your uh, authors, readers, listeners, people uh, probably <laughs> know that that I have been doing a lot of training for for authors, and I took a course that I'd created called Selling for Authors. And before my daughter was born, uh, she was born in December, I redid the entire thing, which took dozens of hours and uh, probably took years off of my life. But uh, I revamped so much of that, and that's been really fun for me. And I created a new free course that authors can take over at sellingforauthors.com a free three-part video course and I actually put together a new checklist that will help authors to write better descriptions for fiction or nonfiction, as well as several other important essentials of their publishing career. All right, awesome. And we will link to that in the show notes. Uh, Brian, again, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. It's been a very informative show. Happy to be here. Love the show, Steve. Thank you for having me. Thank you, and thanks for listening. As always, as I said, we'll have show notes with links to everything we mentioned at theauthorbiz.com.